Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host with the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today I am basically really pleased to bring this person on the show. I am not going to attempt sing this surname. Actually, I will because it'd be hilarious as fuck, but I'll probably fuck it up. And that is my good friend, Brian, and is it Kassinger? Kassinger. Kassinger. Yeah, told you I'd fuck it up. <laughs> Should have asked. You would be the first. You would be you, the first. You were nice enough to actually ask me before the show that we shot for you, where it's like, hey, Adel, how do I say your surname? Me, I'm just an asshole. Like, fuck, I totally forgot to say this. <laughs> anyway, that being said, Brian's currently in the US at the time we were filming this. So thank you for getting up early and actually doing this. Um, but more importantly, just a real quick heads up to everyone that's wondering who Brian is if you don't know who he is. Brian uh, is also a podcaster, but he's also a really good copywriter. He's actually been mentored by one of my very good friends and friend of the show, Trevor Toecracker Crook. We had him on a couple of weeks ago. Um, and Brian is just a straight up assassin, in my opinion. Like he went, he, he worked for Mind Valley at one point. Right now, is it cool to say that you're who you're working with? Is that okay? Can we mention? Yeah, go ahead. Now you're working with uh, another show of yeah because i've been outed on facebook already anyway yeah he's pretty much already to that justin brooke at ad skills you're now their head person at ad skills which is excellent um so how the hell are you to start with uh much better now that uh um that we're we're getting on this call because i'm really excited to uh sort of geek out about uh, copywriting stuff with you so i appreciate you having me on but but yeah like you said i'm in the u.s and uh i'm sitting here in uh um in a completely different uh, you know, clothing than, than I was at this time last week. You know, um, uh, for those that know me, I'm currently living in Bangkok, Thailand, and yeah. I get here and it's, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, how does it translate to Americans? Like 30 or 40 degrees or something and, and uh, you know, wearing long pants and sweaters and uh, actually, I actually had to go out last night and, and buy a beanie, um, I, buy a woolen cap for, um, because it was so cold uh, yeah, compared to, where I've just been spending the last uh, couple of months in Southeast Asia, but it's yeah. all it's all good fun. You're the asshole I want to punch. When I be <laughs> like that, it's like my friend, my friend uh, Cheska just moved to um, she actually just moved to California as well, and she's from England where it's cold as balls all the time. <laughs> Sometimes it's warm, yeah, just not as warm as everywhere else, yeah. And she's walking around. And this this kills me. She's literally walking around. Um, God, what's it called? So I'm just going to use UK metrics because I can't be bothered to find yeah, any yeah. best ones. But UK Aussie metrics, it's basically around 19 degrees at nighttime. Right? Yeah, yeah. Which in the UK is basically our summer. Yeah, so yeah. basically just sat there. <laughs> She's just like, um, <laughs> people are just looking at me really weird because they're like, why are you walking around in like t-shirt and like shorts and stuff? I was like... they don't understand that where they are right now this is kind of like you guys live in hell um and this is our way of dealing with it because we can actually stand (laughs) your your cold is our warm and i can imagine people giving you looks going what is wrong with him why is he so cold yeah yeah i'm all rugged up i'm basically shivering and i got to every piece of clothing on that i bought pretty much you know because i packed light but uh um, but i just had to throw everything on went out for a I walked last night to buy some warmer clothes, like I said, and, and everyone's walking around in T-shirts and wearing jeans or pants. It's not like hot here by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, but I, I'm the, the, like the opposite of, what, of the example you just mentioned. You know, I'm so cold that I'm throwing all these clothes on and, 
um, oh, yeah. and so used to uh, warmer temperatures. Which is just fascinating as how people evolve because uh, you're originally from Australia where it is hot. That's without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. But I know a lot of Aussies that just like they go to the US, it's similar climate, but like I know Thailand is a completely different place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thailand, Thailand's hot. You know, on a it's, whole it's nother warm. It's warm, it's warm uh, uh, year round. Like, about, like uh, um, in Celsius, is about uh, 30 to 35, that sort of range. Like Australian summer, you'll have uh, two weeks of, uh, of uh, um, 40 to 45 degree temperatures, which is like. Uh, um, yeah, 120 odd degrees Fahrenheit, um, but the weather's much more variable. Thailand is just uh, it's just like warm and and slightly humid all year round. And um, but the the thing I've I've noticed lately is that you know you acclimatize to the temperature difference. Like um, I can walk around in Thailand, it's uh, I, I I check the temperature and I'm surprised that it's as hot as 35. Because I'm just walking around, the, I walk around in t-shirt and shorts, but I, I could wear jeans. Whereas, uh, um, you know, a, a few, only a few years ago when I first came here, um, you know, that would have been felt really hot to me. But you acclimatise. And, and that's one of the uh, interesting things that happens when, uh, when you, um, for instance, you might learn how to write copy or run an online business and you uh, become that location-independent entrepreneur, which I think is what, kind of what we're uh, probably going to cover a bit on this call. And, oh, entirely. Um, by the way, that's, yeah, it's a benefit of, of doing that. You, you get to live in these different temperatures and climates. I was literally just about to say, you can tell this is going to turn to a copywriting conversation because we're having yeah. a conversation about weather and we're still somehow making it seem interesting to each other. That's <laughs> well, how interesting you know. to you and me, but I don't know about anyone else. <laughs> fuck them, who cares? I love you guys really, but fuck them. Um, <laughs> this show is predominantly just basically a quick little ploy for me to um, get experts on my show that I can speak to. I admit this on the show with Matt and Joe, um, Matt Wolf and Joe Fick, who are amazing. But anyway, well, I was going to say real quickly because we got to this point and I forgot to even mention it. This show is sponsored, by the way. This show is actually sponsored by your podcast, which is geniusesofcopywriting.com. I mean, your uh -huh. show, I've been on your show, which is excellent. I know you've had some yeah. great people on your show. Did you manage to get Mark Joyner on your show when you were with him? Or yes, um, so that's kind uh, of awesome. yeah. That, that that should be in there somewhere. Um, uh, I've got a project manager on the site, so if it's not up there, I'll, I'll find out. But uh, um, uh, yeah, I remember I remember sitting with Mark Joyner, um, and for those who know uh, Mitch Miller, he has a big place in in Phuket, Thailand, and we um, I hung out there a couple of times, and and Mark and I were both staying there at the same time, and. And we got to talking and, uh, you know, um, he's great people. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. So let's, let's just jump off. Cause I'm going to throw you into the deep end right away on this one, particularly when it comes down to writing copy uh -huh. is I want to get your take on this whole idea of, um, of basically retention work. And I know we spoke about this on my show, but I want to get your opinion on it just very quickly on how to start getting retention based clients uh, coming in and staying with you for the long term because you've done that not once but a couple of times now you've done it a couple of times where you've had the same client basically keep you on board for a while yeah yeah i've been doing a bit of that lately yeah so like what's nah, i'd say what's your secret to it well the secret i find is to um and this is like you know uh kind of the opposite of what everyone says you know you, how you focus on the marketing, and then the product itself is uh, is almost irrelevant. When it comes to 
uh, getting clients on the retainer, you want to make sure that uh, that uh, that you are um, that your product is top shelf and top quality. Like it's uh, it's uh, um, uh, almost a, a, as if you know it's not easy to get the clients, but that's actually the easy part. You know, um, the real challenge comes when you've been writing for a month and then uh, and then uh, the next next payment. Uh, comes due and and they look at things and say you know um, uh, you know what have you done for me lately um, because you know uh, people people uh, uh, forget really quickly and uh, I don't think this is really the case of my clients I love them to death but um, but yeah you know, unless you've uh, uh, you know created some kind of wins for uh, for your clients and any any case in this case with copywriting of course that's uh, that's sales. usually, you know, you've made a bunch of sales for, from your copy. Um, you have to keep that going. You can't just settle in and, and do, a, do an average job like, uh, um, like, like uh, every single professional on earth, you know. Um, uh, we have our ups and downs and some, sometimes we write a bone-crushing copy that, uh, that slays the, uh, um, the offer and sometimes, you know, we, we uh, um, write something that's not quite exactly aligned with what we, what we hope to achieve and, that happens with probably every writer um, on the face of the earth. I think I think uh, probably you and me the only ones who actually have the balls to admit it. But um... oh yeah, my, my personal <laughs> favorite one. Just to give you guys a quick heads up on this car crash. I'm sorry if this is interrupting, but this is a straight up one. I actually I remember uh, Trev Trevor when he was actually at Drayton Bird seminar like that he did two years ago. Yeah, I was there obviously because like I love both those guys. So I'm going to go support. Um, one of the funniest things that ended up coming out of it that made me giggle so much was this idea that Trevor was like, yeah, no one has perfect, like has a perfect record up until that point. I actually still had a decently perfect record. Like it wasn't a hundred, hundred percent, but it was like 99.98 yeah. on like out of, at the time, I think it was like 10,000 campaigns. I'd only lost like six. Mm. So it was like an insane number of like wins. It is. What I will tell you, though, is no one fucking prepares you for the full when you're like, I'm going to go easy coasting. And then, like, you, you write a really bad ad, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you're like, oh, what the shit just happened? <laughs> Trust me, everyone goes through that. And one thing I will ask you in a moment is how you deal with recovery from writing a bad ad. Yeah, um, and that, that's a, um, a fair point as well. Um, I remember going to a, uh, a big marketing event in, uh, in Sydney many years ago, and and uh, um, I was with I was staying with a friend, and we and we uh, fought our way through Sydney traffic. Which, like, uh, um, now that I live in Southeast Asia, I laugh at the thought of Sydney Sydney traffic. But but uh, um, uh, we uh, we were late anyway. A few minutes late, everyone had started the event, and uh, the only seats that we could find were actually up the front. And uh, this was this uh, uh, was really early on in my career, and. Uh, I didn't know all the all the big gun copywriters ended up sitting next to a uh, a uh, um, a regal gent. Uh, he looked in his sixties, uh, uh, beautiful pinstripe suit, and uh, and uh, uh, he was making uh, furious notes on on every speaker that came up. and And uh, he told me at that event um, that uh, uh, every uh, every out of every ten ads that he writes, uh, seven are flops and but it's the other three that, that make up uh, for the rest. And, and uh, um, what I found out at that event is the, uh, this, uh, 
this gentleman's name was Ted Nicholas. <laughs> and so um, that even, even one of, even the guy who's uh, created uh, literally probably up to $10 billion in sales for himself and his clients. I'd um, say higher even, than that with that yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it used to be six or $7 billion back in the day when, when I saw his stuff being promoted. That was a few years ago now. So I guarantee it's a lot more than that now, but even, even the legends of the game, uh, you know, they, they don't, they don't get it right all the time. Oh, I, I could, I could not agree with you even more than if I wanted to. Um, one of the, I think I posted about this today was Drayton Bird, um, actually yeah. mentioned this, um, to me when, uh, I met him, I had the good fortune of meeting him in London. We became really good friends and had just a great chat. And one thing that Drayton said to me that he revealed very few people know about David Ogilvy was when Ogilvy would hand in any copy, he would almost have a full on nervous breakdown. Um, mm. In the sense of he'd sit there and just be like, no, 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 can I just have like five more minutes on it? Can I have yeah, like yeah. a day on it? Like, why? He's like, I don't feel like it's good enough. I don't think like the headline's good enough. I don't think this is good enough. I don't think that's... And he was like, it was like watching the strangest thing, seeing this great basically try and pull back on his work because he was like, mm. I don't think it's ready. I don't think it's good. And I actually kind of genuinely think that that's the markings of a great, not just great copywriter, but a great entrepreneur in general is someone that they care so much about how it's perceived that it's never really right to them because they're like, I don't know if yeah, it's going to yeah. work, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because this is, uh, this is something, it's interesting you pointed out. It's something that, uh, that I've come to realize that we're taught when we're studying uh, business and marketing, you know, oh, we shouldn't care what, uh, what anyone else thinks of us and we should just do our own thing and, and, uh, you know, Vishen Lakhiani, the uh, um, CEO of Mind Valley, calls it being unfuckwithable, you know, uh, don't let anything derail you. And that's true to an extent, but, uh, um, but, it, but it's, it's a good point that you make because I think that uh, the people who craft something and, and copywriters are amongst that, people who, uh, uh, you know, work uh, such a long time on a project, whether it's a piece of copy or whether it's an entire business, you know, um, they care deeply about, about, uh, how it goes, you know, the people, here's the distinction, the people that we, that we should care about what they think about us are the people who are a target market. So, so, um, you know, like uh, in David's case and same in ours, we, we're writing a, a, a very important piece of copy for our, our target markets. You know, we should care deeply about what they think because, uh, um, that's the point of copy, you know, to, to, uh, um, to tap into what they think, to change what they think, um, to leverage what they think, um, this is why this is why we write it in the first place. So um, we should care very much what what they think because that's going to determine how they act. So um, so yeah, it's very important and doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, agreed. It's just one of those things. And again, it's crafting is what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm curious about the whole idea. Like, so one of the ways I'm, I want to jump back on this because I know you talked about it, but I want to jump back and kind of give my perspective on how I deal with the whole like when you lose. Yeah, yeah. I'm a sore fucking loser. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. I yeah. hate losing. But I'm gracious yeah. when I lose. Humble in victory, humble in defeat. Hmm. As Conor McGregor likes to say. But one of my favorite things about, like, one of the things I always go back to is I try and keep good relationships with that client that I've lost for by saying, hmm. hey, can I see what won? Can I see what's going on? And they're like, why? I was like, because if I know then that way I can see what I was doing and maybe I can, yeah. I can run at it and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. 
So, um, go on. Sure. No, it's definitely one of those things for sure. And I'm going to let you finish your point because I'm going to ask you a completely different question. <laughs> yeah, we'll jump to that uh, in a minute then because uh, I was just going to say, you know, um, I'm the same. And like, uh, you know, part of what we try to do um, when we try to grow personally is, you know, to not be, uh, um, not be upset at the, uh, at the, uh, the things that we lose. But, you know, like I was saying before, anyone who sits and, and crafts something that's really important, you know, you know, where if, if, if you're not, um, if you're not uh, feeling something when that doesn't work and when you haven't done a great job or whether, um, whether it's even, even something that's not your fault at all, you know, um, if you're not like uh, uh, mad or, or upset in some way, then you know, perhaps emotional. it didn't matter that much to you. Yeah, um, if you're not emotional about it in some way, yeah. shape, or form. I just kind of wish the emotions I did get, like I said with many other people I speak to about this, the emotions that we got were more towards, yeah, I did it, or like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I can learn some stuff, but in reality, it's just usually, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, what the hell did I do? Yeah, yeah. And there's, I think there's both sides. So you sit down and analyze it, you know, um, uh, you know with your uh, um, sort of analytic side and, and uh, try to learn from it and, and uh, check the numbers and, uh, and have learnings for next time. But, uh, but there's the other side of you to go, that's bullshit. And that, that, that's what really what drives you to success for the next time because, uh, um, uh, and, and I think those, uh, um, I think those uh, what some people call negative emotions, you know, uh, to try and rid those of your life completely. And I, I don't want brought this to call, I don't want this call to, to uh, descend into a personal development sort of session, but. Oh, we can go for so, that. But, yeah. The, the truth, the truth is that uh, your mindset is behind all this stuff because uh, um, uh, that, that's what, uh, um, that's what drives you as a copywriter. You know, it's all about the emotions and, uh, that's why copy works. So um, you've got to, you've got to uh, really get into it. Oh yeah, you got to. I mean, it's Tom Bell said this best recently, which is the reason why copywriters are the craziest motherfuckers you'll ever find is because the reason we can write so well is because we live crazy. Yeah. Like crazy yeah. is basically our forte. I mean, um, again, to give this like my copywriting project, protege, he and I had this conversation recently. And if you let me, like kind of gush for a moment about how cool this is. And I'm gonna, I want you to do the same as well. It's this idea of, he messaged me and he's only been doing this for two years and he's only one year with me and the other year he was screwing around with content marketing, uh, well, content writing. What he said to me was, how crazy is our, are our lives sometimes if you really think about it? And I was like, it's a little insane because to give, me, to give everyone listening, this is, this is essentially my life, right? Every single year for the last 11 years, I've made probably the most money in my family with the mm. least amount of work, which mm. is saying something. Uh, mm. I spent more money than I know what to do with because I'm an idiot and didn't save it because I had really bad money <laughs> ideas. Changed that and that's kind of cool. I've lived in the same place in Soho in central London for four years and two months now. Um, the infamous apartment because Trevor's yeah. been here and everyone's kind of stayed over whenever they come to London. The other crazy thing about all this that really kind of goes even scarier is the fact that, again, I have a genius level IQ. I understand uh, astrophysics and mechanics on like aerospace engineering. I do play, I do yeah. that in my spare time. Um, 
I'm an artist. I do jujitsu. I used to fight professionally. I had all these crazy little ideas in my life. I did all this other crazy stuff. I have two cats. I live on my own in a place that I've been told by so many people that I should move out of because it's quote unquote too expensive, but somehow I've managed to live here by myself. So it's kind of like, I think about it. I'm like, um, what? <laughs> like, how could I, like, what is life? Because I know every, I know so many other people's lives where they're like, what do you do? Like I went to university well, now I have a job. I hate my job. It's about it. Maybe on a weekend yeah, I'll go yeah. rock climbing. Maybe I'll do jujitsu. That's like as far as it goes. I'm like, what about all the other time in your life? Like, what do you do then? Like, do you not dream about random shit? Like, well, I think I think it's probably watching TV. Is, it, is that is that what? I mean, I hear about people, you know, uh, talking about um, about uh, you know uh, series binges and they watch the whole bloody. Uh, like a whole season of uh, of Game of Thrones, and uh, it's always funny when I when I uh, go home and talk about family. Uh, like this is one of the many conversations that uh, family and friends have that uh, that I don't have really have a way to jump into because they they're like, oh, did you watch uh, series three of uh, Game of Thrones? And I just sat down for um, like the whole day and and watched that, and and uh, uh, I'm like, um, you know, I would never, uh, uh, you know laugh at them or anything, but it's just like, you know, is that, is that, uh, um, something that you're passionate about doing? Um, uh, for, for, for me, for me and you, it, it's not, I think to be, uh, an entrepreneur, you have to, you have to be cut from a different cloth. You can't sit there and, and watch, watch TV for, um, for hours on end. Um, you say that, but honestly, some of my best stuff that's ever come out has come from that exact same thing. But yeah, I, yeah. I get what you're getting at, which is we don't just sit down and veg out with the same purpose of I'm just going to veg out and consume. Mm. I know copyrights, we do this all the time. We will, we will sit down in front of a TV show, and John Carlton so beautifully put this when I was 19 years old. He was like, I'm going to spoil. He didn't say this to me. He said this on his blog. I'm going to spoil every movie, book, game, song, TV show. I'm just going to spoil it all for you because after you finish going through what I teach you, you will never be able to watch any of the stuff without breaking down the storylines. Mm. And it's true. Mm. Like when I watch Game of Thrones, one of the things I love about Game of Thrones is how they've managed to take something that's been done to death and give it new life. Yeah. And I just love the, the little nuances. I look at nuances from that, that perspective, but I agree with you. People that stay at home and just veg out for hours on end and do absolutely nothing, I don't understand them. I don't understand that. I could, I could never do mm. that. I mean, don't yeah, get me wrong. Get, I can probably yeah. do that for two days when I'm sad and go through like a depressive period, but any longer than two days, and I'm like, uh, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's an important distinction that you make because uh, um, uh, when it comes to um, when it comes to series like that, there's some some of the best copywriting print principles uh, that they're using like uh, I was uh, in seminars I always use the example of uh, of uh, um, uh, Breaking Bad where they they use the open loops so well and, and uh, I haven't watched much of Game of, Game of Thrones but I think they probably did the same thing and the good series do because you know that's that's how I that's how I applied it to uh, the email sequences that I write you know you you open the loop in in one email you uh, um, ask a question and you give them closure in the next one um, but the thing that Breaking Bad did really well was they didn't have just open loops from one episode to the next. They would have one, you know, an arc, an open loop, which is an arc over the, the complete series. So 
This is a great copywriting tip as well. I mean, if you remember one of the uh, one of the seasons of that thing, um, I remember at the start, the first episode of the season, it started out with you know all this uh, debris raining down on on uh, on Heisenberg's swimming pool in his backyard, and it was. It turns out later on, it's from a plane crash or something, and uh, um, so long ago I watched. It, I can't remember the, the exact details, but. Uh, <laughs> But that, that story eventually played out over the whole season. Um, so I think, I think the takeaway from that is to, is to, is to watch these things strategically. You know, um, uh, you know Hollywood and, and uh, the TV shows uh, um, use some, some great tricks to, uh, to keep us glued to our TV sets, um, you know, waiting for the next episode. You can use that same stuff uh, in, in, in the copy that you write. Agreed. Like so few people really understand that that TV and movies and all those other mediums are masters at getting emotional content uh, to you. It's one of the reasons why I think I said this on your show as well. One of the first things I make any one of my junior writers do is make them watch six hours of um, what's it called? Cutscenes from uh, Gears of War. And it sounds really far fetched, but it's like that's how you do emotion right. You're basically in an all-out battle between you and this inhumane horde that wants to kill you. And how do you create the suspense and tension from that? Well, you got to have this core group of characters. you got to make people care. How do you make them care? This is how you make them care. Okay, how do you build them up? How do you kill off the right characters? How do you create such an emotional response that to this day, this game was released 10 years ago, I think, if not longer. Yeah. War three, uh, one of my friends to this day cannot play that game. The reason is because every time they play it past a certain scene, they get to a certain section of the game, one of the characters dies, and mm. it's beautifully done. Like the mm. way they use the music, the emotion, everything. She still, to this day, she's 29 years old, cries her eyes out. Mm. I'm like, why? She goes, because it's so beautifully shot. It's so beautifully mm. done. I'm like, okay, I'm right there with you. I totally understand and relate. And it's one of the craziest things that we do as humans. So I do agree with you. You should watch. You should watch things strategically. Now, I did want to ask you because you did jump on this. When it comes down to your email writing, what are some of the rules that you stick by when you're actually writing email pieces? Um, <clears throat> and if I may preface, I was going to say, if I may preface this, it's kind of like I'm asking for me because I don't email my list that much. I mean, I should. I just don't. The reason basically <laughs> being is I sit down and like my brain goes blank. Like I yeah. have no idea what to write for myself. I can do it for other people. Myself, nah, doesn't even work. So I want to know yeah, what yeah. you do. Yeah, I'm the same. You know, I don't think I've emailed my list uh, in in a little while actually, um, because I'm so busy, uh, you know, writing for other people. And it's probably um, a, a similar sort of thing. You know. Uh, uh, it seems like it's easy to come up with ideas when you've uh, been hired to, to, to come up with those ideas. But, um, you know, for some reason, we, uh, we have this block when it comes to, um, you know, writing for our own business. I mean, that's why, um, you know, people like uh, um, Mindvalley CEO I mentioned before um, has a team of copywriters and have to write the actual uh, emails himself you know he has the, the whole team to come up with those ideas um based on his strategies but um it's a it's a really uh weirdest thing because uh, most copywriters su uh, suffer from it too I'm, I'm on everyone's email list and and uh, um uh, it's 
far as copywriters go, uh, John Carlton is pretty, is, is kind of uh, um, uh, consistent with his, uh, with his emails. Um, who else? Um, the, the, the thing about uh, uh, ad skills, you know, um, Justin Brooke was writing all those uh, emails uh, himself before, as you know, and, and, uh, um, and uh, they were, they were, it's, one, it's one of the email lists that people really wanted to be on, you know, such, such good content and such good copywriting. Um, but with running uh, ad skills and other businesses, you know, um, uh, he wasn't able to consistently uh, send out those emails. That's why he's got someone on that now. So, um, uh, who you're talking to right now. So, it's the craziest thing. I used to say this all the time. Copywriters cannot write their own stuff. Mm, like, mm. We just can't. like I'm, that's why one of the reasons I'm very grateful that when I launched the copywriters room for the second time, um, I actually had just uh, John Benson go through the copy for me. Mm. Oh, so like, cool. I, I've, I've realized so many people, like so many copywriters, we, we're just not very good at writing our own stuff. We're, we're better yeah. at like, we're better at having other friends write for us or help us out. It just makes our lives easier. <laughs> for sure. I mean, uh, um, it's the weirdest things, but it's, uh, it's true. Like compete somebody like, um, uh, who, who can I think of like, uh, like I mentioned John Carlton before he, he must have some system of, uh, of making sure those things go, go out because when it comes to, um, you know, doing that thing that you do for everyone else, when it comes to doing it for yourself, it's like getting blood out of a stone, you know, sometimes um, it's like writing, writing a sales page for your own product. It, uh, it takes 10 times as long as it should. And the, the thing that I, that I feel that it really is, is because you're such a perfectionist, you want to make sure that, that it's your best uh, quality work where that, that seems to come more naturally when um, it's you're running for a client. But yeah. So you know, it's really funny. You should mention just the word perfectionist. I literally worded that email to the client that I just messaged off saying, Hey, I know um, the reason I'm nervous is because I only sent them half the work because the other half I'm, I'm still editing Yeah. because I'm looking at it. And I was like, yeah, I could totally send this. It'll be fine. I read it and I was like, this is complete horseshit. I don't ever want them to do this, <laughs> which again happens. So I messaged this client and I said to them, Hey, listen, um, I'm a perfectionist. I'll tell you what, for giving me extra time to actually deal with this and my perfectionism, I'll just, you know, I'll do like a consult for you on like half uh, a half hour consult on your business. And they were like, cool, yeah, that's fine. But in reality, <laughs> like in my mind, I, again, freaking out, but also at the same mm. time, like mm. going, why can I not write this properly? And I, I realized it was just a thing of me and my brain being perfectionist. Yeah, yeah. And to answer your question that you actually asked, how, how like someone like John Carlton does it, um, I can actually tell you it's Stan Dahl that actually is the motivating factor for him. Because mm. Stan has worked with John for a really, really long time, so they know each other. Yeah. And I'm assuming Stan can just tell John, hey, did you do this thing? It's keeping out accountability. Mm. Um, but I can also tell you someone that worked with Jay Abraham, Jay does not like giving control to anyone else. It's one. Yeah. And two, even... It's not that he doesn't like writing what he writes, but only Jay can get away with the rules that Jay plays with. Mm. Like I, the amount of times I've seen him break copywriting rules, and like anyone else would do this, the entire thing would fall apart. You do this, yeah, and yeah. it works. So it's again finding your audience and knowing what they want. But 
takes. Mm. So my curiosity then lies in what was what were some of the favorite books that you've actually read recently that impacted the way you work and your mindset, by the way? Yeah, um, they're both very important things. The the number one uh, that I um, go to that I have um, this has been the case pretty much since it came out. It's Persuasion by Cialdini. Nice. Good. So uh, um, yeah, so I mean, you gotta you gotta get into that book because. Uh, and as a copywriter, it's very important that that uh, um, that you do because that's all about you know um, framing them up properly, uh, you know, um, for uh, the time when they do see your offer or read your copies. So um, one thing to remember, if if you if you're not sure about this, is um, that the uh, what the prospect sees and their situation before they read your copy or, or your offer is just as important as, uh, as, as writing it well. So it's like, you know, um, if someone comes along and says, Oh, we need a, uh, we need a sales page, um, for this, for this product, you know, it doesn't matter if they're going to be offer me a million dollars, you know, if it's, uh, uh, well, that might be different. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if they're going to offer me, uh, um, uh, 10 grand. If, 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 you know, the, if, 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 if the prospect for that, um, that product has not been defined or, you know, they don't know where they're going to get traffic from or, or um, they're going to um, spam it to people who are not interested. You know, there's nothing in it for variables. me. There's too many uncontrollable yeah. variables and you don't want to take on any work like that, which is a smart move, um, particularly when it comes down to like what we do as a reputation. Because could you imagine if you actually got like the wrong niche uh basically not the wrong niche, yeah. like basically you wrote the copy because you were given a certain specification but they ran ads to like a completely different person yeah yeah um you're now looking like a dickhead with your dick in your hand kind of going uh i thought i was good at this which only breeds your self-doubt because fun fact for everyone listening uh i will actually venture to say most copywriters are actually pretty narcissistic Mm. like we have and our narcissism isn't negative and i'll explain what i mean so our narcissism actually draws from this whole idea that we can actually do this but once our confidence is hit it can take a while to like recover yeah and uh um that's one of the things that you know stalls people they uh, um uh, they have what what uh, what I call um, a glass jaw. So they get hit by one thing, and and uh, then it uh, it finishes them off forever. But um, but uh, you know you you've got to. Um, uh, it comes back to that that scene in in one of the Rocky movies where that everyone quotes, where you know it's it's not about um, how hard you get, how hard. Magic. Yeah, that's, that's how it goes. How 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 you, often you can get hit and keep on going and, and stuff like that. Keep moving forward. How hard yeah, you yeah, and keep yeah. moving That's how yeah. winning is done. Yeah, exactly. Probably right. one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm. Such yeah, because it's, it's, it's a perfect uh, thing to, to keep you going when, when things aren't working out because uh, the reality is, and we've talked about this already, you know, um, not everything that you write uh, will be a smash hit winner. So you've just got to keep going. And uh, this is also the uh, um, the answer to the question, which I didn't really answer um, uh, a little while ago. That you asked about uh, um, how you bounce back from stuff that doesn't work, and and I think uh, you had for some reason. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I don't think so. But uh, no, I don't think you did. But I think you like yeah. alluded like alluded to it, but you didn't give us an answer. Um, 
yeah, I just wanted to open a loop a bit earlier and, and make sure that you stick around for the, uh, the whole call. So, yeah, the whole um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's about, uh, keeping going. I think, uh, um, uh, most clients uh, know that, uh, that, uh, not everything they put out, you know, if, if you've got a, a client who's, uh, um, <clears throat> who's concerned about every, every single promotion making, uh, um, a certain amount of money or every single one has to be a winner. You know, I'd ask the question whether they're, um, how much experience they have, because it doesn't sound like they're based in reality. You know, uh, anyone who's been in business for, for more than a, a few months um, knows that uh, there's ups and downs. There's stuff that you do that uh, uh, works gangbusters and there's stuff that, that you do that falls flat on its face. And, and the truth is that uh, um, when when you, if you're an entrepreneur and you, and you go through these ups and downs, you uh, come to realize that uh, uh, even if you pay copywriters lots of money, and we do charge lots of money, um, but uh, we can't um, produce magic every single time and you've got to take the, the good with the bad. So that's how you keep going uh, after a campaign flops. Good answer. I like that. And also I would like to add some uh, customer, like it, have a list. Um, Mike Samuel said this best to me. It was like, I don't work with clients that have never worked with a copywriter before. Mm. It was like, because I do not want to be the guy that loses their first, that they've lost their first campaign with. And all of a sudden it's my fault. And versus like, yeah. Cause it's always your fault as a copywriter, you know, um, they uh, target the wrong people and they, and they're, um, they uh, um, have the wrong offer and all stuff like that, but uh, um, you do you do your best work and and uh, um, also they launch on the same day that Michael Jackson dies or something. I heard somebody launched something on the same day that so that, that's just pure bad luck. You're not going to get to yeah you you can't do much about that. But as a copywriter, it's your fault if it doesn't work. So um, oh, entirely like my yeah. personal favorite was someone didn't pay their hosting bill. Yeah and didn't tell us this. So we yeah. were running ads for them because I have an ad person on my team. We were running ads for them and they were like, "My convert, nothing's converting, nothing's yeah, converting. Yeah. So I went to a website, I was like, oh hey, just a heads up, do you know like your website is down and not live? Like, are you aware of this? <laughs> and they were like, uh, they didn't even respond back to me. I just got a message like two days later, like yelling at me, telling me that was the worst person ever. I think my response back, they were like, and I want a full refund. I was like, <laughs> no, because you still owe me money because yeah. we had an agreement in place considering that you'd have to pay, you'd have to pay me for, how long was it? It was a couple of, um, it was quite a few things actually, to be fair. Um, what's it called? Like one of the big ones that we really got with this was they, they were going to pay me monthly. And by mm. this point, by the time it was delivered, we were in month three. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, um, where are months two, the rest of month one, and where's month three coming from? Like, I'll forgive month three, but like, you still have month one and two to pay off. And yeah, you yeah. get your money back for work that I've already done. That you <laughs> up. Yeah. Like, yeah, but I was like, mm, we sent ads to a dead page after alerting you, you didn't do anything, and you actually only came back to me three days later. And we're like, you've wasted my money. <laughs> it was insane. It, it was a it was a crazy moment in the time of battle, which uh, just awesome. yeah. And you touch on a, an important point. If you're going to be a, a copywriter, you've got to um, be careful about who you work with. You know, it's a good strategy. It's a great strategy not to be the first 
copywriter that the person has worked with because uh, um, like you say, um, you don't, you don't want to be that guy. And often, often uh, the first few campaigns that an entrepreneur runs, they, they might not uh, um, work as well as they hope. And then uh, of course it's, it's going to be the copywriter's fault and then they're going to move on to someone else and, and bag you behind your back. So, uh, oh, yeah. Like how dare they? They were so yeah. far, and I was like, client, so- client selection is one of the most important things in the world. You know, um, uh, uh, late last year when I when I uh, um, ran a big cam- campaign on Facebook, and this is how I uh, uh, found Justin Brook and Ad Skills. You know, um, he contacted me, and uh, so did several others, and and uh, I was having phone calls and and stuff like that and um uh uh but the the point of the of, of all these calls was not to you know um quote unquote un- apply for for uh these gigs you know um it's my vetting procedure and and someone like uh, justin brooke was uh, always going to get through that so that's a no-brainer but some of the others um you know uh yeah through my questions and and uh, you know, asking about uh, what they've done in the past and, and how they've been copywriters. So, um, you know, it, it turns out that, thing, that things happen, they just drop off the radar. So um, you can avoid these situations by, by choosing That's your clients well. Um, yeah, you can do it. You can choose them better. Um, you know, better, is, better is better than, uh, than not well. You know, you can't probably do it 100%, but um, just keep improving and that's the important one. Agreed. Like having that kind of like um, that client vetting process does make things a lot more fun and a little bit more interesting. <laughs> so one of my favorite questions to ask on this show is actually you've already mentioned one of these books, so you can keep it on there or you can add more. It's up to you. But the question is, if you had to pick five books that influenced your life, what would they be now? There is a caveat to this. The caveat is quite simple. Three of them are nonfiction. They, they are nonfiction. Two of them can either be fictional books or movies. So you have either fictional books or movies, yeah. two of those, and three nonfiction books that you would recommend to anyone that's had a massive impact on you. Uh, so let's see. You've got uh, Persuasion. Um, uh, what else have we got? Uh, Think and Grow Rich is probably like, um, uh, uh, that's kind of the one that, that really opened my eyes. Um, I'm not sure if I'll leave that on the list though, because the one I do want to have on the list is, uh, the magic of thinking big here, you, you know, um, yeah, I was, uh, um, rummaging around some old books at, uh, at, uh, um, the house of a, a girlfriend at the time. And, and I came across this old book and I said, the magic of thinking big. And, and at the time, you know, I was, uh, um, sick and tired of the jobs I was working. I was looking for something better. I didn't know uh, anything about the world that we live in now with copywriting and marketing, but I was looking for something to get to get out of these crappy jobs that I hated. And, and uh, you know, uh, that was a book that, that really, um, uh, just as the title says, you know, it expands your mindset to um, gets you to uh, think outside the uh, um, the boxes that. Uh, um, that most people think in that, that, uh, that, you know, that, you know, if they go away for a uh, two week vacation at the end of the year, um, 
you know that's uh, that's an, an an awesome event in that in in the year of their lives. Um, whereas uh, for you and me, and a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, you know, we uh, we travel a lot more, and and uh, um, uh, that's just one example um, of thinking bigger. So that's on the list um, for uh, for um, fiction stuff. You know. Um, I'm going to um, substitute your one of your movies for um, for Breaking Bad. This is uh, you know where that's, I that's I, really, I, I didn't say TV shows, but I'm going <laughs> to add that in from now yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I was going to add it in even if you, even if you said that I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it. <laughs> that's it. Um, that that's that's uh, that's something that really like demonstrated the power of, the, of those open loops and. And based on on those, uh, what I learned from from that show, the way they put it together, um, you know, I actually wrote wrote uh, a few seven figure funnels based on on you know you know keeping people engaged throughout the funnel with uh, with open loops. So um, uh, and this is like after like I spent a few years uh, hearing about the show Breaking Bad. It sounds stupid. I'm not, I'm not interested in watching that, but I eventually did and and. And, uh, um, and that was good. So the other, um, the other uh, thing that that uh, that I can put on that list as far as fiction goes is is uh, uh, um, it's a lot of Stephen King's writing. Now he has a book called On Writing, which is a Excellent. great nonfiction book, uh, which uh, has all the great information. Any copywriter or writer should learn uh, should go through that. Um, with his fiction writing. You know, he has a certain way of storytelling that uh, that uh, that I find is very descriptive, and and it, it takes you into the world that that he's creating for the reader, and that's really important. When you uh, are writing your copy, you, you're taking somebody into a world um, <clears throat> that you're you're constructing this world, and and in this world, you know, you've you've got offers and and situations, but you most important, you you want to help this prospect to um, think and feel the way that uh, the way that you want them to and, and you do that by um, building this world for them where they can they can see the pictures as, as you're describing them um, uh, so uh, th- it's about those mental pictures that, that that make up the world that you're you're bringing a person into and, and that's very important the other I mean besides the fact how um, how uh, productive he is. You know, I don't know how many novels he writes per year, but it's a whole bunch. And they're, they're all they're always these big fat novels, about a billion pages and stuff. But, uh, so that's good as well. But the, uh, the writing itself, um, uh, the, the way he describes situations and, and people's and the, the emotions and thoughts of the characters, I think that's really important too. Agreed. I mean, one of my favorite things is a side note that I love watching is the masked class videos that they have going. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I've seen way too many of them. So, <laughs> uh, I think one of my favorite ones is by Neil Gaiman that only recently came out. And his is on, like, entirely on storytelling and world building, like, in different Okay, I haven't, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Um, but I like Neil Gaiman. Yeah. The interesting thing about... The masterclass uh, product is, uh, you know, they they use the power of the uh, um, the celebrity in each of those niches to, you know, that's the draw card. Like you've got, uh, um, you've got 
Samuel L. Jackson teaching acting, I think, and you've got the uh, the astronaut guy teaching the astronaut stuff, which you I don't know what it's called. But you've also got um, Gordon Ramsay teaching cooking twice. Yeah, Steph yeah. Teaching how to shoot basketballs. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Teaching how to write. I mean, what I love about this is they've actually cottoned on to information marketing, but specifically for celebrities. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's really powerful, and that's why they. I think they charge a a few hundred bucks for uh, access to everything per, per year. But yeah. what, uh, what, the, um, what is interesting for people like us is, is you know, um, the alternative uses for some of these, uh, these, uh, these masterclasses. So for uh, storytelling, you know, there's a couple, of, um, you know, a couple of people, a couple of courses on masterclass teaching that. But, um, you know, the... Uh, the population in general would assume that that's you know good for writing fiction books, for example. But um, but store as a matter of fact, it, for copywriting, storytelling is one of the most important things that there is. Um, and uh, for uh, an acting masterclass, you know that that would be good for anyone who wants to speak from stage and sell from stage or do webinars. Um, so that there's these. Uh, um, cross-pollination of, of ideas that uh, um, different uses for uh, some of these classes, which, which are, um, uh, you know, I I'm yeah. not sure if they're actually consciously targeting or, or anything, but they are useful. Oh, massively. One of the ones that I learned from acting, and this is right at the start of Masterclass, it was a couple of years ago, was Kevin Spacey on acting. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the ones, yeah. Yeah, one of the things I found that was so powerful whenever I watch stuff on acting particularly is it allows me to understand how to script in the mind of someone. So if I'm right, because I, I used to be a voice actor, so I spend a lot of time whenever I work with anyone, my process of getting into my client's heads for their voice is I actually listen to their voice over and over again and construct the character. Um, and I find that with acting classes they do that as well like they help you construct characters so if you're writing under a pen name it's a great way for you to construct this character how they would be what they would say how would they react and respond and whatever and it's a very very powerful method and notion to uh go down that path which you know it's excellent that being said yeah. however brian one of my favorite questions to ask you is what would be three amazing pieces of advice that you would share with anyone listening to the show before they uh, before we go what would be three pieces of advice that you would tell them they need to uh they need to like go do um uh three pieces of advice i think that uh probably my number one um piece of advice is to um always be learning and never be uh, afraid to, um, you know, dive right into it. One of my biggest uh, regrets has always been, you know, uh, not investing in myself um, uh, you know, sooner and faster and, and more. Like I used to go to uh, these seminars back in the day and, and, uh, um, and I bought some of the products here and there, but there were a lot of opportunities that, that, uh, um, that were, uh, kind of came along, came and went, and then uh, you weren't one of the people who bought it at the event, so you didn't get to take advantage of that. And um, that's just one example. You know, um, a lot of courses come along, and um, and my uh, my second piece of advice kind of contradicts that um, because you know one of the most powerful things that I've done is invest in myself and buying courses, and 
And I, I've recently bought, you know, courses and programs that, for prices uh, that would have stunned me you know, only a few years ago. Um, but uh, but no, I'm sort of investing in, in that level and investing, you know, four, four figures in a single course. But uh, um, <clears throat> when it comes to um, diving in and, and learning all this material, the, uh, um, the caveat is, um, and this is my uh, second piece of advice, is not to... Um, not to uh, go too crazy about it. So there's kind of a, a balancing act. You know, you've got to invest in the right things, not not just everything. You've got to um, you've got to join the, the masterminds and buy the courses that uh, um, that you know that that will help you along your way. And you've got to uh, buy the tools and the equipment that that you need to to uh, build your campaigns. But don't don't uh, um, uh, by everything that they come across because the truth is, and you're probably the same uh, as me, you know, you've got, uh, you got uh, logins for 50 courses in your inbox that, that uh, you've probably logged into about two or three of them. And it's really hard to consume all this stuff, especially if you're uh, writing for a living. And if you've got yeah. like other things as well going on. Yeah, yeah. You've got an actual life and stuff. So um, yeah, the, uh, um, but the uh, uh, third piece of advice, um, uh, and now, now that I'm going to mention this, it's probably um, one of, if not the most important thing, is to, is to, um, you know, not going to say a, a generic, you know, take action kind of thing, but uh, my advice is to, you know, um, to start writing, start uh, sending, and start trying to sell people, you know, uh, um, because the sooner, the sooner you do that, and the sooner that you do that in in uh, in big numbers, you know, keep growing your numbers and uh, um, keep uh, selling to more and more people and keep writing more and more uh, more copy. You know, that's how you get better and that's how you um, start to build up these wins along the way. So, um, yeah. I would say that's one of the most important things. I would definitely agree with you. And just to add to the end of that, for anyone listening, I will give you the fourth thing that you can do. Go to geniusesofcopywriting.com and listen to some of the shows that Brian has done because he he really does know what to ask at times to get people going. And yeah, there's one. There's a bloke on there called Adil who um, a was dick. A, a pretty. He's a <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of like that. But he he uh, did drop a few few um, golden nuggets throughout the course of this interview that I was listening to. So uh, you might want to go and check it out. He's on there somewhere. Yeah, I think and, I'm actually on the homepage, which is lovely. By the time this comes out, hopefully I'll be on like the third page or something. But you guys can go check it out because it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, not just my show. I mean, just everyone that's actually that you've had on there. And David Deutsch is kind of like a huge deal to have on there. Alan Forrestman as well. Uh, but mm. Brian, thank you for being a guest here today. I really appreciate you taking the time today, especially getting up early and you know doing the show for me. Uh, guys, go check out geniusesofcopywriting.com and connect with Brian. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to say his surname. Can you say it for me one time? One more time. Kassengina. Kassengina. There we go. Brian Kassengina, ladies and gentlemen, a uh, real gem of a person. And thanks again, man. Thanks for being on here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome.